the Bank of Canada hiked its overnight interest rate by a full 1% earlier this summer, a move that was so large and so swift, it would have been unimaginable not too long ago. I'm Gabe Friedman, and this week on Down to Business, I spoke to Jean-Paul Lamb, who's a professor at the University of Waterloo's Department of Economics, and formerly worked as an assistant chief economist at the Bank of Canada. Lamb said he thinks the aggressive tightening of interest rates in Canada, the US, and elsewhere is a sign that central banks fell behind the curve and missed crucial signals about inflation. But if true, where does that leave us? When will we get inflation under control? And what about some of the longer-term causes of inflation, such as the pandemic, which is still with us? We talked about this and other things. As always, the interview is edited for clarity and brevity. Jean-Paul Lamb, thanks so much for coming on Down to Business today. You're welcome, Gabriel. Nice to be here. We have this sizzling inflation rate, and it sets us on this path for big interest rate hikes by the Bank of Canada. Any economist at this moment confident enough to say when they think we may see inflation levels cool off or even start to decline? No, I don't think we know exactly when inflation is going to start cooling down. What we know is that the rate of increase of prices should start tampering off by the end of the year for various reasons. One is we are seeing some relief on energy prices. And the second main reason would be that the increases in interest rates from the Bank of Canada should start tampering off demand, aggregate demand in the economy, and that should put downward pressure on prices. So that gives us another couple of months before we really see anything too significant. I mean, the Bank of Canada's governor, Tiff Macklem, has said that by taking the interest rate up quickly through big jumps rather than a series of smaller, gradual interest rate hikes, we're more likely to get inflation under control and avoid a recession. Is there a lot of consensus among economists on this? And how much confidence would you say there is around that idea? I don't think there's a lot of confidence around that idea, frankly. What the central bank did not say, and Tiff Matlam did not say in his speech, I think, was that they were behind the curve. And that's probably the main reason why they went to a supersize increase in interest rate of 1%. They saw that not only inflation was running higher than what they expected, but more importantly, I think what scared them in the data was that inflation expectations was getting out of hand. And we know that inflation expectations are an important drive on inflation itself. And you don't want inflation of expectations getting unanchored, so getting too much above the 2% target of inflation. I think that's what scared them and pushed them to increase interest rates significantly above what it was uh, a few months ago. I think the concept of soft landing is wishful thinking at this stage of the, of the economy, because what these huge increases in interest rates will do, they will obviously try by doing that, they're trying to slow down the economy so that they get inflation under control. But by going so high and so fast, the probability of having a slowdown has increased rather than when they would have gone um, slowly in terms of increases in interest rates. So you started off that by saying that, in part, the fast interest rate hikes are an acknowledgement that they were sort of behind the ball on this. I mean, do you think that, that central banks, not just in Canada, but elsewhere, really sort of missed some of the indicators and probably deserve some blame for the current rate of inflation? I think they do. And 
some central banks, including the, the Fed, the Federal Reserve Bank in, in the U.S., they've acknowledged that they probably made a mistake. I think Jerome Powell, in a couple of speeches, acknowledged that the central bank kept this rhetoric of transitory inflation, which they had for most of 2021 and part of 2022, a bit too long. So there has been acknowledgement on the part of some central banks that they were behind the curve, but they did not react early and forcefully to inflationary pressures. Obviously, hindsight is 2020, and it's hard to blame uh, central banks uh, on the fact that they thought that inflation was transitory. After all, we thought that production would go back to normal once COVID was under control. We thought that the supply chain issues that we've been observing since COVID would go away. Obviously, these problems are still around and causing the increases in, in prices we're seeing. But I think what central banks should convey, and they've been doing that, including the Bank of Canada, the governor in his speeches, that come hell high water, they will get inflation back to 2%. I think that should be the main message of central banks right now, that they are deadly focused on bringing inflation back to the target. I mean, to think about that for a second, one of the causes of inflation is a year ago, oil was at about $50 a barrel, and today it's at more than double that. To what extent do you see like volatile or higher energy prices being a feature of the economy for the next decade or so because of the larger structural change around the energy transition and not related to anything that is within the central bank's control? Yeah, I think that's a, that's a great question. One of the things that we, we have to bear in mind is that, as you said, oil prices were fairly low and relatively stable before we started shutting down the economies and we had COVID and energy prices started shooting up with not just because of a demand, strong demand for, for energy, but because of these supply constraints that we saw. Obviously, the Bank of Canada doesn't have, or the government of Canada doesn't have any control on the price of oil that's determined by world markets. There are, as you mentioned, structural changes that's going on in the economy. And that's irrespective of what we are living with, with the COVID shock and other shocks that we're seeing. I think what's going to happen is when we do see some normalization in uh, supply chains and also the, uh, hopefully the, re the conflict between Russia and Ukraine resolving or abating on this front, we should see at least energy prices falling and also becoming less volatile than what we've seen in the last uh, year or so. This will help us going back to inflation fairly low uh, to the target of the central bank. I think one thing we should not forget is that the, the difference between price level and inflation. Inflation, as you know, is the rate at which the price level is increasing. So even if energy prices stay where they are right now, relatively high, and do not increase, this will help to push the inflation rate back down. So the issue of energy is crucial. I think we need to see energy prices fall to get some relief in inflation. That's what I think everyone is hoping. And once we see a fall in energy prices, since this is an input in production, a very important input, we should see other prices abating as well. 
How much of the fact that we called inflation transitory was because it's difficult to get our minds around some of these structural shifts? There's a lot of uncertainty around them, like the energy transition, like COVID itself, which is still with us. It's still overwhelming hospitals around Canada. So in other words, there are these really larger, complex shifts happening in the world. And I guess, to what extent do you think we have a solid reading on how those are affecting inflation? I think, again, great question. I I think when you look at all these structural forces happening, irrespective of, of COVID, we've aging our population. And as you mentioned, the transition to cleaner energy. And also, the, if you believe that we are in the midst of the fourth industrial revolution with uh, AI and, and, and quantum coming of age, I think these forces have different effects on inflation. Obviously, technological progress will bring down prices in the long run and we transition to cleaner energy. That's not necessarily obvious whether it will bring energy prices down in the long term because the adoption of new technologies are usually uh, fairly costly, whether it's climate or the types of technology. So on that front, I think it's, there's still quite a lot of uncertainty regarding how the transition to a greener environment, to a greener way of producing energy will actually bring energy prices down in the short run. In the long run, it would, but in the short run, it's not very sure. Now, there is also the aging of population that's putting a lot of pressure on um, labor markets. We've seen this trend accelerating during COVID, and that's going to put pressure on wages to go up in the future, and that's going to put pressure on inflation. So you see all these forces in the long-term forces affecting inflation in different directions. It's not really obvious for economists to say which way inflation is going to go in the next, say, 10 years. And where if we think of some sort of equilibrium for the inflation rate, uh, for me, at least with these different forces at play, I don't think we can necessarily tell whether we're going to go in an era where we will still have low inflation or an era where inflation will be slightly higher than what we've seen in the last 20 years. And that's because it's just, it's too complex for anyone to predict that far out. Yes, and we we still don't know how different factors, these big factors such as this technological transition that we are seeing, the effect of aging population and the transition to uh, greener energy and less dependence on oil, we still don't know how these different factors are going to affect not just inflation, but also the economy in the future. And they they do affect inflation differently, whether they, they affect inflation on the upside or on the downside. So we don't have good models, unfortunately, to predict how these big themes are going to affect inflation and the economy in the next 10 years. Now we're going to pause a minute for a short break. And I guess to put this question slightly differently, I've talked to a lot of people who've pointed out that the last 10, 20 years were characterized by all these deflationary forces. There was a lot of investment in Canada's oil sands, which helped keep the price of oil down. There was this rise of China and other Asian countries as manufacturing powerhouses, which helped keep the cost of a lot of goods down. 
I mean, do you have any sense about whether we'll see the same deflationary forces? Well, is there any reason why we wouldn't? There, there are no reasons why we wouldn't. Because if you look at the factors you mentioned, globalization is definitely a factor that has pushed prices down. And the people who are calling for the end of globalization don't realize that that's the case. That's going to put a lot of pressure on prices to increase. So there are all these factors, these forces that's going to, that were at play and will continue to be very important on inflation going forward. And then on top of that, you put all these new technologies that we are seeing that will definitely drive down prices in the long run by driving up productivity, hopefully. But I think there is the inverse factor, which is the, the aging of population that's not going to be very friendly to inflation in, in the sense that because labor force participation rate will start to fall, we are going to see a lot of pressure on wages to increase and whether or not firms can fully absorb these increases in wages by internalizing them through higher productivity or whether they have no choice but pass it on to consumers because of higher costs, that's not, I think, a question that's hard to answer right now. Yeah. One issue that I'd be remiss not to ask you about is housing, which seems like it could be one of the areas where interest rates are already having some effect. Any sense about how our housing markets emerge from the current paradigm we're in? Well, I think the increases in interest rates are having the desired effect on the housing market, and this is what we were expecting. The increases in interest rate push mortgage rate and the cost of borrowing higher for most consumers and made it a bit more difficult for for people not only to get into the housing market, but also to people thought about um, whether or not it makes sense to borrow right now. Maybe uh, they are pausing their decision to buy housing. Again, if we go back to the structural forces on the economy, we are seeing that with population growth, especially through immigration, there will be continued pressure on housing prices to increase in Canada because demand is going to stay strong. And we know that supply is heavily constrained in Canada. And although there are talks about making supply a bit easier by building more housing, especially affordable housing, those things take a lot of time to uh, to get shovels off the ground. So in the next 10 years, I think demand will, no matter where interest rates go, because interest rates have gone up, but the cost of borrowing remained fairly low by historical standards, especially compared to the 70s and the 1980s, even the early 1990s. So interest rates are still, despite the recent increase, fairly low, credit is still fairly cheap and relatively abundant. So that will continue to fuel demand for housing on top of the organic growth in population plus immigration. And if you couple that by the supply constraint that we're having, housing prices will continue its upward trend in Canada. What's your short-term and long-term economic outlook? What do you expect to be some of the features of the economy in the short-term and in the long-term? I think in the long term, the good news is that the Canadian economy is still doing very well. If you look at the unemployment rate, it's at almost record low, 4.9%. 
consumer spending is still very strong. So if you believe that these forces that are driving inflation right now are temporary in the sense that they, they won't go away for a while, but they will eventually go away once the world becomes a bit more normal in the sense that COVID goes away and hopefully the war in, in Ukraine resolves, then we should see inflation falling and because of all the fundamental forces that's pushing growth in, in Canada through um, these technological progress that we are seeing. I think in the long run, we I see inflation going back to the target of the Bank of Canada around 2%, simply because the, the Bank of Canada has been credible, has done an excellent job over the years. Yes, not over these last 16 months, but for the last 30 years, their record on inflation suggests that they will continue to deliver inflation close to the target in the next decade. So that's how I see the long run. We know that growth, potential growth is around 2%, 2.5% in Canada. So we should see economic growth going to, to around that and inflation going back to target. The short run is going to be, I think, uncertain and fairly volatile. I mean, by the short run, I mean the next two years. With the changes and the increases in interest rate and all these geopolitical risks that's going on in the world economy, plus we are not out of the woods regarding the pandemic. It's very, very hard to predict where the economy and inflation will be in the next two years. I think there's quite a lot of agreement among economists that the Canadian economy is going to do fairly well in the second quarter of 2022. Growth is expected to be around 4.5%, so very strong. But there will be a significant slowdown in the economy in Q3, and especially in the fourth quarter of this year and the first quarter of 2023. So that's what's expected, and and that's based on the COVID shocks going away, the energy prices stabilizing. But if we do see these unexpected shocks on top of what we're seeing now, this will make matters worse in the short run. So to summarize, I think the short run is, is going to be volatile. But the long run, uh, is, I'm very optimistic for, for Canada, for not just the growth rate, but also for inflation. Well, it's interesting times, and I really appreciate you coming on the show, John Paul, to share your insights. You're welcome. Thank you so much. That was Jean-Paul Lamb, a professor in the University of Waterloo's Department of Economics. Thanks for listening to Down to Business, and thank you to the team behind this episode. Bryce Hall composed and performed the original music and produced this show, while Pam Heaven, Victoria Wells, and Noella Ovid provided web support and editing. I'm Gabe Friedman, and I'll be back next week. But until then, you can find all your business news at financialpost.com.